This episode is brought to you by Objective Outcomes. If you're tired of fad diets, yo-yo dieting, and quick fixes that don't last, you should start a sustainable, behavior-based personal training that is primed for lifelong changes to promote a healthier lifestyle. You can find us at ObjectiveOutcomesABA.com. Also, if you are seeking remote supervision and interested in the application of ABA in health, sports, and fitness, we offer supervision for unrestricted hours, monthly group supervision where you can meet others on the same track as you. You can find more at ObjectiveOutcomesABA.com. This is an ABA podcast with two BAs and And no BS. This is two BAs on a pod. Okay, this is True Behaviors of Crime, episode three. Um, Before we get into it, we just kind of wanted to put it out there that we are considering a complete rebrand of the podcast. Just because, well, one, I I feel like we're a little bit more passionate, right, Ashley? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just more specific and more Mm -hmm. unique, like unique. Um, I don't think we're like trying to steal what somebody else is already doing, but I think there's many podcasts doing what we're doing on in this style right now. And we're seeing with Mm -hmm. the data that the views are higher for the true crime episodes, which is great. And we love it Mm -hmm. anyway. So I think that kind of inspired us to think about kind of transitioning Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like we want to be able to give something to the ABA community that other people have not yet. And then also, you know, we love true crime. So it's, it's really interesting to look into the, the perspective of these criminals and um, kind of hypothesizing the function of their behaviors. And it's just a different way to look at applied behavior analysis. So we are thinking about um, changing the name, changing our logo. So if you love our current style of our, our topic, our topic talks and our interviews, please let us know on our, uh, you can DM us at ABA on a pod on Instagram. You can leave a review and let us know. Um, or if you love the true crime and you want more of this content, let us know. But we are definitely looking for feedback. I mean, we are analysts, so we analyze the data, and that's like a lot of feedback for us anyway. Right. So that's going to definitely help us decide what to do. But we also want to hear from you guys. So let us know if you have any thoughts or comments on this. Yeah, definitely, because we definitely want to know for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't care, right? As long as we get to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like as long as we get to talk and we get to talk about the science, like you know if you're in the field, like you can geek out on ABA all day with anyone but like once you have somebody that like actually gives a fuck about what you're talking about because like people that don't love ABA don't care (laughs) but um so once you're able to like geek out with someone who really loves it too but I also think that this like this transition will bring true crime people over to us too because there's so many podcasts I listen to about true crime because I love true crime and Same. they're always like, why are they doing this? Or, oh, they're just monsters. And yes. it's like, yeah, they, they definitely are monsters, but that's not why they did that. Like, you know, and it's like yes. we can give such a different perspective to that area, too, and like show people like what we do and who we are. Um, and I'm excited to do that, too, because we're not just autism. <laughs> like we say a yeah, hundred exa- times. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And just before we get into it, like that was the whole mission of our podcast is to right. show that we can apply the science outside of autism. So it's still staying true to our mission and our values, but it's just right. kind of being like just more specified on what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and then it is bringing in a whole other community to understand what ABA is. Cause that's what really inspired me for the last case, right. um, a podcast that I listened to it. They even said like, we know what Sherry did, but we will never know why. And I'm like, Oh right. yeah. We know like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So, yeah. No, for sure. Definitely. But um the way that we're going to do it, we're following the same format as the last one, so it's going to be more of a narrative and then we're going to go into like the actual hypothesis and the ABA of it all like at the end. Mm-hmm. And we're doing like Alex did last weeks so I'm gonna do this week's and that's how we'll do it we'll like alternate so she actually has not like even seen my notes or anything (laughs) I just told her what case I was doing but she didn't look it up because she didn't really know a lot about it so we can just get started I guess 
Today, I will be covering a tragic and historical case um, known by the Columbine High School Massacre. And I want to go into really quick before I start, like why I chose this case specifically. And it really is because of the elementary school shooting in Texas. When that happened this past week, I really couldn't help but feel terrible, of course, for the families and the victims and the children and that area as a whole. But I couldn't help but like running my mind of like, why does this happen so often? Why is our country Mm -hmm. one of like the only, I think the only country that deals with this at such a large scale? Why are these crimes so common? What is the connection we make to them behaviorally? Like, I just couldn't stop thinking about that. And I really like remember, started remembering like Columbine and I, I was very young when this happened, but I feel that this case that I'm doing today was truly like the onset to school shootings in the United States. Um, And we'll get into that more behaviorally as well after I go through the case. But yeah, like I just remember I was only like, I think three or four when that happened, but like literally my entire like elementary and middle school life, like people were talking about Columbine. Like it was, it's crazy Mm -hmm. and people still talk about it today. So in this case, there were two shooters involved. Um, Before I go into the crime itself, I'm going to briefly discuss the background of who the two shooters were. Um, I believe this is important because in applied behavior analysis, we always need to know as much background information as possible before we do any assessments or any interventions. And there's a lot of individual and group precursor behavior between the two shooters that I feel is important to discuss before the actual crime, which is the main behavior itself. So the first shooter was named Dylan Klebold. I think I'm saying his last name right. Honestly, if I'm not, I guess it really doesn't matter because he's clearly a piece of shit, but I don't really know how to say his last name. But he was 17 years old. Um, He came from an upper middle class family. His mom worked within the disabled community. That's all I could see on that. I didn't, there wasn't anything specific. So I don't know if it was children, adults. And his father was a geologist, but then they started their own real estate management company together. And that's what they did. They didn't do those other two jobs anymore. Um, Dylan was labeled as a gifted student. He was put into the gifted program as early as his elementary school years, and he loved baseball. By all accounts, and this goes for both shooters, there was no abuse in the home. They came from loving families. Both their parents were together. Like I couldn't find anything saying that either of them suffered any like abuse or anything like that. But Dylan's grades began slipping in high school. He was not applying himself academically anymore. And he also showed signs of potential self-harm and depression through writing pieces that were found from his creative writing class after the crime happened. So in these writing pieces, he expressed feelings of rejection from women. Um, He wrote pieces that described his thoughts of suicide and poems, which were centered around violence, war, and death. So those weren't found until after the crime, but he was dealing obviously clearly with some private events, some deep, dark emotions. Um, were going so on I have there. a question. Yeah. They, he had a, a creative writing class. Were those, was that work already turned in? Like, did the teacher have that work? I think it was like, from what I read, it didn't say this for word for word, but I'm assuming it was like in a journal that they were like, oh, we oh, won't okay. read it. Like, I know I've taken a lot of creative writing classes and a lot of writing. I have like my bachelor's in English. So I did a lot of like Mm -hmm. English language courses. And I know that there was a lot of teachers that would do that style of like, you have this personal journal here. I won't read it. I just check if the work's done unless you there's something you want me to read. And I feel like we can I have that kind of written down for later because I I have a lot of thoughts and feelings towards that style of teaching. I am a teacher and I, I don't personally do that. And I feel like this is a clear reason as to why that shouldn't be done um but so that's why i think they were found after because it was more of like personal um assignments but they were in the class so yeah super sad okay and then so then the second shooter is named eric harris he's 18 Um, Eric was from, well, he was 18, sorry. He was from a military family. His father was an Air Force pilot and they moved around a lot. Um, It wasn't until 1993 that Colorado became their forever home and Eric was finally able to settle in one place. Um, At this point, he was already 12 years old. He played soccer and he loved dressing very preppy. He really liked fashion. Um, But he was having a really hard time fitting in at school and making friends because he was very different from his peers. And then in high school, Eric found Dylan. So he finally was able to make his first like friendship connection. 
Um, Eric was noted to be more of an outgoing and personable person, while Dylan was more quiet and reserved. So they were opposite, but they still like got along really well. Um, they apparently, and this is noted because, and I think there is some evidence showing this, but I do think this is also kind of, and you find this a lot when you start doing like true, true crime things and reading like articles that a lot of stuff is written like mentalistically and like hypothesizing mm-hmm. their thoughts and feelings, but I still want to put it in there because it is noted in a lot of sources. And I do think you can gather this from some of the behaviors we're going to see that I'm going to talk about. But I uh-huh. do want to say that like as a behavior analyst, I don't know if I would 100% say that this is accurate, but they apparently bonded over hating school. And lo- mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, like how can we really like define behaviorally that. define that? But that is what their initial bond w- apparently is noted as. Um, they did have a love for video games and computers and technology, though. And, um, you know, remember, this is like the late 90s that this happened. So that was probably like the right. coolest thing ever. Like the technology was like, whoa. Um, right. And Eric's second year of high school, he already began to change drastically, though, in his attitude and the way he dressed. So Eric was reported, remember, before to be super preppy. Um, Mm -hmm. He really liked soccer. He was an athlete, but he started suffering from a lot of bullying while he transitioned into a more like darker, like goth style demeanor. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when he would become frustrated or angry, that would come out as like physical and verbal aggression towards others. Mm -hmm. So for one example I have, um, he got angry with a friend. It wasn't Dylan, but it was like another friend. Um, They kind of got into like a little altercation, but Eric took a ball of ice. I guess it was like snowing and he threw it at his windshield. And then later that day wrote on his own website how he wanted to like kill that friend that he was angry at. So he was expressing that aggression and anger through words and actual visible actions. We could see that were threatening to that that friend. Um, So we're already starting to see a little bit of like frustration and aggression from Eric. Right. Um, so like I said, they became friends in ninth grade. They enjoyed going bowling together. They even got jobs together after school at a pizza place in town. And they started showing more intense interest in violent video games. And they were German Mm -hmm. branded video games. Um, they also started dressing specifically in trench coats and they became part of this school clique called the trench coat mafia. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Like, I'm so I don't mean to wow. laugh, but I was like, okay, yeah, you guys are cool. So right. <laughs> now at first, um, the fashion change and the video games and like the hate, quote unquote, for the world. Like, I feel like that honestly sounds like normal teenage shit. Like all of this stuff. I was gonna say that. Right. Like I have apart bonded from- over hating school too so yeah yeah like I hated my fucking parents my whole life I wanted to run away like I feel like this is like normal shit apart from like Dylan's um dark writing but again that was found after the crime so taking that out of the equation like all of this shit honestly does not sound that serious like how many people do you know in high school that like play violent video games call of duty my brother was playing call of duty when he was like seventh grade I don't know if that's probably good for you but he was like and so I just feel like at first it doesn't really seem that bad but it did start to get darker than that um the two started to develop an obsession for Hitler and white supremacy symbols. Mm. So they would wear them. Um, both Dylan and Eric would engage in the Hail Hitler salute to one another. They would do this in private settings and social settings. So the social settings gave examples of like if they were at bowling together and like one or if they were playing a card game and one or if they were like through the hallways at school, they would like mm. greet them, greet each other this way. It said private settings. And I don't know if that's just something that maybe other friends knew about, but Right. Again, like how would they we, know? Yeah, how would they know? But we did see it. We were able to see it. Generalized. Yeah. So um, this is actually like a direct quote that I got from the website I got most of this information from. It's history.com because it has to do with some like crimes that they previously were arrested for. So I wanted to just like read directly so i don't get it wrong so in 1998 during their junior year the two were arrested after they broke into a van and stole some things out of the vehicle they were both charged with theft criminal mischief and criminal trespassing but since it was their first offense they were enrolled in a diversion program which consisted of community service and counseling they were released a month early from the program in february of 1999 
Another ominous sign of things to come was that Klebold and Harris, so Eric and Dylan, made a video of them acting as vigilantes shooting jocks in the school hallway for a school project. So those are just mm-hmm. another like more precursor mm-hmm. behaviors that I wanted yes. to add in there. And again, like I mm-hmm. feel like when you're in the moment, I feel like hindsight is 2020, 20, right? Like people always say always. that in the moment, like how many again, how many teenagers get involved in like petty theft crimes? Like it happens all the time. Me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I know yeah, I exactly. Yeah. It's true. So it's like. Mm-hmm. From like a large scale, I feel like in the moment, it's possible that you could be looking at this and being like, oh, my God, they're just struggling. Like, I can't wait till they're 18, you know, but unfortunately, that was not the case. But again, we'll go into that more like after. So now I'm going to go into like the actual case and like what happened. So the original plan of this crime was actually unsuccessful. Um, both Eric and Dylan planted propane bombs in the school and planned on these bombs going off in the school so that um, it would cause students and faculty to evacuate where they would both be mm-hmm. outside and ready to begin a mass shooting in the parking lot. But the bombs did not go off. So their initial plan was not going to work out. So on April 20th, 1999, in Littleton, Colorado, Columbine High School teachers and most students attended the school day as usual. Unfortunately, two students, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, arrived on campus with intentions that can only be described as heinous, immoral, and devastating. Both Eric and Dylan arrived at school campus at about 11.19 a.m. dressed in long trench coats. When their plan with the bombs was unsuccessful, they began shooting students that were already outside of the building. They then made their way into the building where they targeted most of their victims in the school library. It was at about 11.35 a.m. that both students stopped shooting. Twelve students and one teacher were already dead inside and 20 others were injured. Then, a little after 12 p.m., Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold took their own lives on the scene. So it's a little short because, again, like I feel like one, there's no invest, there was no investigation needed. And I can't open shut. I speak based off of like the evidence facts. I would never want to talk about what the people in there were going through, what their thoughts were, what their, because I can't even imagine and begin to think of how traumatic it was. And I tried to write it in a way that like gave justice to the victims and their families and Mm -hmm. everyone who suffered because I just can't imagine what they went through. But the actual behaviors itself were kind of short and to the point. Now, I do have a few final thoughts that I want to go over before we go into the behavior stuff, because they're just like little details that I I didn't really know how to like write in and uh, like... Yeah. Somber way. But they did not work alone on this. So a female friend of Dylan's who was actually also his prom date helped him obtain three of the weapons used. There was four weapons total and then the two bombs that like didn't work, which they made themselves. So um, the female friend of Dylan's helped them get one of the weapons and then a male coworker from the pizza place helped them obtain the fourth weapon. So they have two people involved that helped them obtain the four guns that were used for this crime. They used two Mm -hmm. nine millimeter firearms and two 12 gauge shotguns plus the two bombs, like I said. And then Eric Harris was posting like bomb making tips on a blog he and Dylan had. It was under nicknames. It wasn't under their actual names, but they were like posting about how to make bombs before this happened. And then the date of the crime was on Hitler's birthday and that was fully intentional. So there's like a social significance Mm. aspect there that we can like tie in for Eric and Dylan. Um, So... Yeah, now we can get into like the behavior of this <sighs> yeah. all because it's it's. Cr- what do you think the function is to start? Because I think that there's like I like was going through it and I'm like, is it attention? Was attention it automatic escape. escape? Like I don't access. Like well, there's so many things. I, f- I feel like um, the fact that you said that they were getting bullied and they were kind of feeling like these outsiders, like they weren't right. They were- being bullied by jocks um that could be escape or avoidance behaviors from these other people from these jocks or it could be sensory of that feeling of 
actually murdering the people that bullied him. But I do know, um, I did see like a documentary on that on this case, that the victims, that they went to the library and it wasn't like all of the jocks were in the library. Right. Um, I know one, one of the victims was um, special needs. So mm-hmm. he was shot like the first one of the first victims shot because everyone knew to hide. But this poor kid, special needs, was still sitting there. Of course. So, I mean, it, they shot him. It wasn't like he was doing the bullying. And right. then um, I know this um, other victim, he was black and they they singled him out because they're like, you know, white supremacists. So, I mean, there was some like. They obviously chose to shoot the black guy because the white friend, he talked about it after he wasn't shot. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was some like discrimination that they were able to like, okay, I'm shooting him. But to shoot the special needs kid, like that is devastating because it was, I mean, all of it's devastating, of course, but it wasn't like, what's the intention there? If you're, if you are a white supremacist, okay, you're going to shoot people that are minorities because that's your MO. Right. Um, if you're like getting bullied by jocks, you're going to shoot the jocks, but it was totally random. So it's hard to say if it's escape because they weren't actually escaping the people that were bullying them. Right. And the, right. and they also, but they, it is escape for the suicide because they were able to escape this life. Right. So I know. And I was, it's so hard to tell. And I want to like note that this is, this is part of like kind of a group behavior contingency and I find mm-hmm. it and you can tell me if you disagree, but I find it to be interdependent because they work together to reach whatever reinforcement they yeah. got from this, but they had independent yes. roles. So yes. they weren't completely independent and they weren't dependent on me. But yes, like interdependent. Um, We know if it was independent, they would have totally just worked alone. If they were dependent, they would have been completely dependent on each other. But that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, so it's like, what, but like, what was the reinforcement? Like I'm thinking with the suicide, cause I'm like, it had to be escape. Like they just wanted escape, to get out, but yeah. then why couldn't they just kill themselves, themselves. without so harming others? And yeah, I'm like, well, attention for sure. Right. Yeah. If they had this, um, obsession with Hitler, I mean, they know that Hitler left this infamous legacy that everybody they know who hitler is they know what hitler's done um and this is like i'm you know you chose the columbine so the columbine is i 100 believe is the blueprint for today's mass shootings me too Um, in the eight in the 80s there was a craze of serial killers i mean i'm sure you know this right actually yeah. Yeah. And then in the 90s, in 1999 is when the Columbine happened. And if you just look at the data, the mass shootings at schools, just the copycats after the Columbine. Right. And also a lot of these copycats that done the mass shooting said that they are inspired by Columbine. Like they have right. that. They said that, that they are inspired by this mass shooting. So it's 100 percent. I feel like they're inspired by Hitler and then the copycats of Columbine are inspired by um, these two pieces of shit. So it's just, I don't know if that's attention because they know right. that we're going to continue to talk about it. Um, Cause there is, you know, clusters of mass shootings, just like um, the last elementary school shooting. Uh, there was a store mass shooting. So it's right. very common to see in the data that mass shootings are happening close to each other. So I think um, it could be attention, even though they're not receiving that attention, um, because obviously they're dead, right? Right. Um, They probably planned on committing suicide, so they're not going to receive that attention after the fact. Right. I believe it's clearly the function is attention, because just having that, I don't know, that knowing that they're going to be talked about years to come because it's 1999 and it's 2022 and we're we're still talking about it because it has made a big impact on these mass shootings that are happening today in schools yeah i agree i think both attention and like escape for sure but what do you think about like and i know this is going to be extremely controversial and i don't ever want like families or educators to feel that they're at fault But I do think the precursory behaviors are huge. And you know, in applied behavior analysis, if you're an RBT or a BCBA, how many times have you been in supervision and 
it, something happens and they ask, well, what happened right before that? Say you're right. dealing with self-injury. Your kid might tap their fingers on the chair and look at you two times before they start engaging. And that is their precursor. So we begin intervention there. So yep. I think there's so many precursor behaviors between these two individually and together yeah. that it's scary because a lot of them, like we were saying before, seem like normal teenage shit, right? Like the dressing yeah. weird, the, the video Hate games, the, hating the yeah. world, like hating everybody else but each other. Like it's us against the world. My best friend and I in high school were like that. Like we hated everybody. Yeah. So it's like yeah, for it's sure. normal. But like what could have happened if inter- if the correct intervention, because they clearly went to that diversion program and that shit did not work and they were left out, let out an a month early so like okay right but what like if the right intervention was in place do you think that this could have been stopped I do yeah, absolutely I mean if this is why it's really important for parents to talk to their kids and really understand and not just get surface level answers yeah I'm fine it's okay whatever mom like really talk mm-hmm. to your kids and see what's going on in their in their head because I this is going to be beyond applied behavior analysis this is mental right. health right this, um, yes for sure this this is mental health this is depression i mean suicidal thoughts you you need to go seek out um mental health like therapist or you know psychiatrist mm-hmm. to get those chemicals bounced right because this is absolutely um which i do want to talk about you know gun laws here because this is i think it's important to talk about because it's really controversial are our mm-hmm. gun laws triggering these behaviors and um you mentioned that america deals with mass shootings at a way higher rate i looked at the data last night um and we do have more mass shootings on average at schools it does happen in other countries but it's not happening every single year like it happens here or multiple times a year um so i mean i was wanted to get in a little bit what our thoughts are on gun laws and if we need more regulation or if it's if the root cause is deeper um the true function if is it because you have access are you shooting up schools because you have access to guns or are you shooting up schools because of some um root cause of mental health i think it's the regulations because i i have family members i live in the south so like y'all already know right. <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's right. very common yeah my when my boyfriend was stationed in north carolina that's an open carry state i've been around i've been around people who have firearms like my whole life um have i ever right. felt threatened no but that's specifically me but i will right. say that i know people personally who have concealed weapons permits florida is not an open carry but it is a concealed carry state Mm -hmm. um and the process is very simple like very very simple you do a course um you pass the course you go you show that you're able to like functionally use this weapon that you like don't have struggles with it they teach you how to use it and you kind of just like get your permit like and i think there's it's very simple process to me it's like why is there no psych evaluation going on here and exactly like you can get registered to teach the course very simply and it's just like there should be centers where you might have to pay thousands of dollars whatever these people need salaries that maybe are military trained maybe ex-police officers all mm-hmm. of, like in place where they can be there and they obviously are knowledgeable and experts in firearm use that are teaching you how right. to use it. Why are you not doing CEUs? Why aren't you going and getting continuing education courses for every firearm you own? You should have to do that. Right. I personally think um, I know if you're a felon, you can't con- get a concealed weapons permit. I know if you also have mm-hmm. a medical marijuana marijuana card, you can't have a concealed weapons permit. So there's certain oh, really? like, rules in place. That. Yeah. You can, you will um, get it taken away and you'll become a felon if they find out you have both together. So there are certain rules in place, but I think the regulation of it all and the, like, there's no um, accountability really after you receive that. I I don't know if you, I don't even know how you keep it active because I personally don't have one, but like, do you just like pay a fee and then you get to keep your concealed weapons permit active? And again, that's concealed. I don't know if in an open carry state, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more, um, like strict I know there's certain weapons you can't like I can't if you're an open carry I don't think you're allowed to walk around with an AK like you can't just be like out here with a rifle right but you are allowed to have like a a handgun on your waist and I've seen it I've seen it at Walmart like and it's normal here because and I think it it probably sounds bizarre if you're listening from like New York you know what I mean like I feel like it's because I'm very obviously desensitized to it because I grew up in the south 
But here it's very normal. Like it's very, very normal. Mm -hmm. But I don't think the regulation is strong enough. That's I think that's where the problem lies. Because is the access the issue? Yeah, but it's only the issue because of how easy the access is. Right. If the access wasn't that easy... I'm curious what the regulations were in Colorado because you said that they had help from a different friends in getting these firearms. So I'm I'm right. wondering how they received those because I know in the most recent, um, I know he was just turned 18 and he went and purchased his his um, right. AR-15, which is like why why is he able to get an AR-15, but he has to be 21 to get a handgun? Exactly. Like, it's so it's so arbitrary on what kind of pet to firearms you're able to get. So I think that, I mean, I think, yes, access to this, we should make it more difficult, maybe a psych evaluation. I don't know if necessarily you get, yes, like get rid of it. I mean, the Second Amendment is in our, you know, constitution for a reason. Um, But an 18-year-old, their brain is not fully developed. Like I was so stupid at 18 years old. If I'm an 18-year-old with severe mental health issues, then who fucking knows what, you know, you have the capability to do. So I think mental health, I think in America, our mental health, um, our access to healthcare is a cause of this, which I don't know how to explain that behaviorally. But I know the, the most recent mass shooting, the grandpa, I saw the interview of the grandpa. So the kid was raised by his grandparents, not his actual parents. And he he didn't have much to say. He didn't really know his grandkid. He said his grandson didn't talk much and um, he just had a birthday and the grandma took him to Applebee's or just him and the grandma. Like he didn't have family, didn't celebrate the birthday with him. He didn't have friends to go with him. Right. I don't know how he got those guns. Like we don't have guns in this household. He, he didn't know much about his own grandson. So I think that is not, it's not the responsibility of grandparents to raise their grandchildren. Um, it's the responsibility of parents. Yeah, parents need to start raising their kids and they need to start being in- involved. And if they see their kids distant or like precursors. odd behaviors, yes. And it's really hard. It's really subjective to say like, oh, if your kids were in trench coats, then they might <laughs> yeah. be, you know, it's it's super subjective. And it's like we we don't have like we can't pinpoint the behavior because everybody's behaviors are going to be different. Um, everybody's right. precursor behaviors are going to be different, but there does need to be more involvement with the parents and more understanding of like why this is happening and how we can intervene. Um, so I, I do think, you know, we have a mental health issue at hand. Yeah. Um, right. And, and like I said earlier in the seventies and eighties, it was serial, serial killers. Um, and I had read this blog last night. I was just reading, um, a, little bit on like the mass shooting and it said that um the question was did is it media attention that gave the serial killers their kind of their mo like they're like okay i want this media attention so i'm gonna be a serial killer or is it the is it the person because like i said the blueprint of school mass shootings came from columbine i truly believe that if you just look at the data columbine is the ones that's kind of like this is what you can do and this is the effect that you can have. And all these copycats are pointing back at these two saying like, I want to be like the Columbine, you know? So it's, right. is it media intention that is kind of triggering this? Is it mental health? Is it access to firearms or all of the above? And um, obviously right. everybody's talking about change and changing our policies, but it's like, Uh, is America really going to change? What are we going to do about it? Right. And is it going to be the right change? Because I feel like it's like when you think of – because I've heard it going around of like just eliminating the Second Amendment altogether and like removing access. And it's like that doesn't remove the product. So the same thing with abortion, with states that want to remove it entirely. That doesn't remove – the, the, the service so there's still yep, access exactly. is still obtainable it's just not legal so right that's to not going to fix it right exactly that yep. honestly yep. Would, if actually probably make it worse make it worse in my opinion yep um yep. the response effort will be higher but if somebody really really wants something they're gonna fucking get it like that if the mo is high they don't give a shit you can put the yep. longest like task analysis in place and they will get through each box 
and they will get what they want. Yes. So, and that's just behavior. That behavior goes where reinforcement flows, matching law. It does not matter. If you truly want it that bad, you will do it. And that applies to anything. If you think of how long it takes you to get your education, how long it takes, maybe you fail a test more than once, but you need your driver's license and you, you go back and take it again. Like you study harder. Like all of those things apply to something as severe as this. So I don't think just eliminating it and putting a bandaid over it and tying a bow on top and being like, oh, well, now we don't have an act access to yes we do we 100% mm-hmm. still have access that's ridiculous yeah a lot of um people are able to get different parts of guns from the internet right i've just you and know build it. like you and you can build your own gun um just going on these different you know the black dark web or right. the black web or whatever it's called you can buy like separate pieces of the gun and you can make your own gun and you know kids are really smart especially you know the up coming generation they know how to use the internet more than us like well yeah. like me like millennial and like you know no, it's older true folks, like we don't know how to get to access to these different websites and how to hide mm. what we're buying but th- i think there is absolutely still going to be people getting these firearms through the black market and now it's going to be less regulated so is that the solution just getting rid of the second amendment and also i don't think it's going to be possible in america because we are really armed like imagine the government coming into homes in texas taking away the guns like that's going to be that's going to be a sight to see because i don't think they're going to just be willing to clean up their guns when they're already armed no so i don't know how effective that will be either but i do think we we need some we need some proactive antecedent strategies to help kids with their with their mental health right um, as teachers as parents people in the community uh, I don't know, you know, obviously, I don't know if they, these um, two had diagnosis, but if they were it's maybe in 2020, like that, but. but maybe in 2022, they would have been diagnosed with ODD or DID right. or, or some type of diagnosis, which then would have prompted, hopefully prompted the family to like, go seek that therapy that they could have, you know, gained because of their diagnosis. Right. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's something I struggle with like because we have so many different the dsm-5 is fucking huge like we have so many different diagnoses and a lot of the times i'm like is this a real diagnosis or is this just like parenting gone wrong like you know like right you've you've had odd you've have you talked about your student with odd and a lot of those symptoms seems it could be described behaviorally and i feel like ava would be but I don't know if like a medication because I know like with depression, you a- you actually have chemical imbalances. So if you're able to take a right, take that's a pill to like, you know, that's completely different than like a diagnosis of ODD. Um, yes. So but still there is like other therapies that might benefit. No, I think 100%. And I I honestly, I'm not a parent. So I say this very lightly because and I'm glad that you're here and you are a parent because I feel like I can kind of talk more freely. I I see a parent. You are a teacher. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) But I feel like I see a parenting like epidemic going on. And I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if it's um, I don't know the demographic and age ages of parents and I don't know any of that data but I definitely see an increase in problem behaviors I'm going to use the word problem behaviors because I don't give a fuck it's problem behaviors um yep across the board my students with and my students without they all act the same. I remember right. being younger and you knew who had ADHD, you knew who didn't. There was probably some kids I did have it weren't diagnosed, but there was there's almost zero level of compliance going on. Mm-hmm. And it's not just my school. I see it on TikTok. I see it on Instagram. Teachers are quitting. Teachers are fucking done. And then they're getting all this backlash mm-hmm. and this heat from parents that we're like pieces of shit because we don't want to be in the classroom making 40K a year dealing with kids that right. don't know how to act. But it's like, I feel like the like. This is obviously the late 90s, right? So the demographic and the the parenting styles are completely different. But Absolutely. if we continue to just ignore these precursor behaviors coming from our children and mm-hmm. we're not setting contingencies, not setting consequences, this gentle parenting mm-hmm. 
boom that's going on where a lot of it is ABA, honestly, a lot mm-hmm. of it is ABA, mm-hmm. but there's some extremists that are mm-hmm. gentle to the point of like zero consequences, zero contingency, yep. zero mm-hmm. expectations, zero task analysis. And that is not the way human beings can function. That's not how any living thing can function in the environment. We need those things set in place so that we don't mm-hmm. act absolutely we need rules and we need yep. rules we're rule governed creatures Boundaries. like we just are yep. and i feel mm-hmm. like if we keep ignoring our kids and our children then it's just going to keep getting worse and i think that we're more open to mental health issues now but i also yeah. think that it's getting to a point where we're kind of so open to mental health issues that like behavior is kind of going out the window of like right. oh well they're stressed oh well they they have right. anxiety oh well they have odd yes. i don't give a fucking shit because you know what the real world it doesn't work like that and i've had the mm-hmm. most success with my student that has odd because i come at her that way you can functionally right. communicate to me what you're going through but if you're not going to do that we're going to keep moving along because this is how life right. works you can't act that way just because you feel like it that is not how it because when i come here and i don't want to be here and y'all piss me off all day i don't i don't act up i don't do that so are you gonna do that to me nope and i talk to my kids like that because you know what they're kids and if i sit there and try to give them this like explanation of like oh well it's just unkind no y'all are acting crazy and i don't act crazy to you so we're gonna let's take a minute and let's move on but i just think parents really need to just start paying attention more because why is an 18 year old at an elementary school? Like I get that. Yes. Grandparents aren't supposed to raise their kids. And then even with this case, like Eric was moving around a lot. His father was an air force pilot in the late nineties. Like I'm sure he was deployed more. There was more wars prior to that going on. Mm -hmm. He was probably not around a lot. Not, not saying that that makes you a bad parent for being a military member, but you are absent a lot more. I don't Mm -hmm. know what they really talk about her. Um, Dylan's dad was a geologist. Aren't they out there like digging stuff up? I don't know what geologists do, but like it's just like what was going on there? Clearly, there wasn't the exactly coming in. And what if differential reinforcement was placed? What if we were reinforcing behaviors that we wanted to see rather than just allowing them to keep getting away with acting this way? You're putting bomb stuff on the internet of how to make bombs. Like you're making a project of shooting people. Like all of these things are happening. And even if they're certain consequences can reinforce that as well. So like, Mm -hmm. just because you think you're punishing a child, you might be reinforcing it. So I feel like we have to really be mindful of like what we're doing with our kids like it's yeah. scary yeah what are your thoughts on the video games because i know you know right. that's that's also a controversy like are these are so these violent scary. video games um causing these kids to act out in these ways right. i think what it comes down to is mental health and i do think the addition of having a friend that's into the same things you're into, having a friend that's into violent video games, having a friend that's going to be a Nazi white supremacist with you, um, you know, all these other things on top of it is just a recipe for for this. Um, So I think the root cause 100% is mental health. um, But all these other variables are kind of just making that more likely to happen. Um, So I don't know if, you said they were playing violent video games, right? That were like yeah, German based. Yeah, said German branded like violence. So, so like I Nazi. Like I, I'm assuming it might have been. It didn't really go into detail of like what the. I I think there were like it was like war um, based. So it could have been right. like replications of World War Two, which I mean would right. be terrifying to play. But I don't. Right. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell because it's like. Uh, like I said, my brother was playing Call of Duty in like seventh grade. Do I know right. if that is okay? No. But I also know my brother, since he was three years old, said he was going to be a soldier and he became a Marine at right. 17. So it's like, I don't know. Like he played Call of Duty, like fantasizing about being in the military. Is that normal? Probably not either. But it's like, I don't right. know if like, is it subjective to each individual or are right. violent video games as a whole really a problem? Or is it, like, excessive? Like, because also, like, my parents weren't really on our ass, but, like, we grew up in a time where we were more active. My brother would play video games for, like, 30 minutes or an hour, and I would be bothering him. Like, I'm going to go skateboard. I want to go play basketball. I want to go play tag. I want to go play chalk. Like, even though I was – and even in high – I was already in high school when he was in seventh grade. I was in ninth grade, but I would even bother him, like – 
I want to hang out. Like me and my brother were, my sister were very, very close. So he wasn't on his right. game all day, all night. Um, but then like my boyfriend has expressed to me that he's a huge gamer. He still is today. He's, he was in the mm-hmm. military as well. Um, he always knew he wanted to be similar to my brother grew up saying, I want to be a soldier, blah, blah, blah. And he mm-hmm. played a lot of war games. He still does. He watches a lot of war documentaries and mm-hmm. he's like, honestly, like a historian without a degree. Like he knows everything. But mm-hmm. he's not going to kill anyone either. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, right. and he was right. like, I had no business playing games as long as I, like, I would never let our kids play. I would play for hours, like <sighs> days. And that's, I don't think that's good, but he is a little bit like more of an antisocial person, he, like, which is fine. Right. But it's like, it's subjective because I could take someone on paper that might look the same, has social anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. doesn't interact that much, plays video games for six hours straight, plays this exact game. And I have him on paper who grows up to just be a veteran and is fine. And then I have somebody else who's doing a school shooting. So I do think what you're saying is correct. That mental health is like the root cause of it. Are your parents checking in on you? Are your siblings checking Mm -hmm. in on you? Are your friends checking in on you? If something's weird, is somebody saying something like, Mm -hmm. I don't let any of my students act weird without – I go to the counselor for everything, and I don't care if I'm annoying because if one of my kids – and I ask them myself, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you need a Do you need a break today? Do you need to step out? Do you need to go talk to the guidance counselor? Like I, there's certain things I can't talk about with you, but you tell me if you're having a day where you need a yep. moment. Like if they act weird at all, I think the worst, and I don't know if that's good, but right. I do that because I'd rather have them checked in on by multiple people yep. at school then and it just be period cramps because that's happened to me before and they laugh at me and I'm like I don't care bitch I right. just wanted to know like <laughs> I don't care right, right. like but you know like you I like how do you not but I also have smaller class yep. sizes I work for a private school so I can imagine having 300 students um right is a lot but yeah it's just I don't know yeah I don't know what it is yeah. I think mental health is a big thing though yeah, I think mental health is the is the root cause and everything else just makes it um, just kind of makes it the, the whole recipe of the disaster. Like it just kind of adds right. on to it. And I know people who get together, sometimes they're so toxic together. Like they should have never yes. met. Maybe, these, maybe if these two kids never had met, they would have not done this by themselves. So right. I think that definitely plays a part on like who you're hanging out with, what kind of um what are the things your friends are into, what are they talking about and like who they want to be bigger or better. They probably have like, oh, I I'm more tailored than you or I I'm more of a rebel than you are. So it could be, you know, all these different factors, but at the end of the day, I think we do need to talk to our kids more, see what's going on in their day-to-day life, see how they're feeling and and start that as soon as, I mean, my son is going to be four soon and I want to have that open line of communication from the jump. Like I want to talk, have, let him know that he can tell me whatever and I'm not going to be mad or judgmental. I mean, I want to, I'm going to love him, whatever he does, however he turns out to be, but there's definitely going to be some consequences in place if he of acts course, up. Yeah. But I don't want him to be afraid to talk to me. So I think, you know, if you have young kids or you plan on being a parent, like making sure you have that open communication starting now. Um, yeah. So when there are 17, like now you want to be a dad. Because I had that with right. my dad when oh, he yeah. tried coming back into my life at 16. And I just like laughed at him. Like, oh, I'm not going to tell you shit. You haven't talked. Yeah, you, you don't even know me. You don't deserve right. any of to be my dad to talk talk to me in any way because I don't right. even respect you as a father. So, so, you know, be present as possible now and um, see what the fuck they're buying. If they, How do they have the money to buy these firearms? Like, you know, well, I had a what job they- at that pizza place, but I don't know. Like, how much were you getting paid at the pizza place? <laughs> like, Yeah, like, I mean, clearly they didn't have rent. Even the, yeah. the, um, the last mass shooter, he was working part time at like a fast food place. Right. Um, which is shit, like, but they pay you, like fifteen how, an hour now, so I don't know. They fucking pay better than right. they pay RBTs, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it's like you know, it's so many variables um, mm-hmm. in the function of each of these. But I really think attention and escape is going to be the main functions for these mass shooters because yeah, clearly if they're, they're suicidal, that's escape from the world. And then I think if right. they have these notions that they're going to be media stars notorious media stars then they know that attention will be there no Um, for sure i didn't even connect that like hitler's i don't want to say fame but like you said legacy infamous 
history and legacy yeah. that like mm-hmm. no, everyone knows who Hitler everyone is. Everyone knows the Nazis. Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis. How long yeah. ago? So it's like I don't. That could have been a private event for them in place of like, okay, well, we're gonna kill ourselves, but like we're like Hitler. Like we're gonna be talked about forever, and it's true. They are exactly. They are, and yeah, they are because they did. I really do believe they they gave this like this idea for the the copycats um because they did they say it they're like oh my inspiration was columbine so it's clear that they are modeling this behavior right so it's sad and i really hope that we don't have to keep talking about this and this somehow it's not going to just change on its own because we know that as behavior analysts if we don't put contingencies in place behavior will keep happening as long as the reinforcement is still available so if the reinforcement is attention um, it's going to happen again. And if the access to firearms is this easy and there's no there's no stopping the mental health Wait. crisis is still continuing, this is going to happen. Like, we're not going to see change if there's no change. So it's right. It's sad, but I hope we can figure it out as a as a country. Yeah. And hopefully maybe even because I know like FBI has behavior analysts, like if behavior analysts get in there to assist with those decisions, I feel like that would be mm-hmm. beneficial, too, because this is clearly a behavior that's continuing to be reinforced socially and individually. And if it doesn't change, like you said, there's nothing's going to change. Yeah, exactly. And just some final thoughts is um, I know people are like, Oh, we can just have, you know, armed guards in every school. Right. Which, yeah, that will stop them right then and there, which is great. um, But it's still not, it's still not targeting the core issue. No, it's We're a still Band-Aid. not getting to the root. Yep, it's a band aid. It's another band aid. So we we need to stop with just putting band aids over these really huge um, problems and really getting down and understanding why this is continuing to happen. Right. That's it. That was the Columbine High School massacre. Sad. Yes. So uh, yeah, very sad. And yeah, our hearts go out to, you know, the most recent mass shooting. Right. And um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can figure this out. Um, please, again, let us know what you guys think about um, focusing on true crime. You guys can reach out to us directly on our Instagram at ABA on a pod. You guys can yes. leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review, um, even if it's just a five star rating no text but preferably leave us a review you can find me on instagram at objective outcomes and you can find me at behavior with ash and thanks for listening thanks guys bye